Welcome to Absolute Clarity, your number one travel management podcast from Clarity, your business travel experts. I'm your host, Kyle Daniels, and every two weeks we welcome some of the biggest names in business into the studio to discuss the topic of their choosing, followed by their first, worst, and best travel scenarios. Joining us in the studio today are Chris Townsend, Abby Holland, and Ben Wilde from What Marketing, a video content company specializing in travel. We're going to be discussing long-haul travel, traveling with equipment, and why they don't always opt for visas while traveling to the southeast. Okay, welcome to the show, guys. What we'll do first, we'll go round the table and just introduce ourselves, who you are, what you do. So, Chris, do you want to start? Hi, I'm Chris. I am the director of What Marketing. Uh, hi, I'm Abby. I'm head of first impressions at What Marketing. I'm Ben, and I'm the artist. Chris, do you want to give us a bit? You're the owner, so do you want to give us a bit of a background into who What Marketing are? Yeah, so What Marketing is about 18 months old now. I was working for a company called Invasion who'd headhunted us to go and do a trip around sort of Southeast Asia and America to film content for their brands. So came back from the trip and we basically had the option. I was away for about four months and we kind of looked at what we were going to do moving forward with me being employed with them. Um, and I had some interest in some kind of people ask us, could we make, or we were still making videos and a bit of interest through LinkedIn and things like that. So we got approached by an Australian company to do Facebook ads because they're basically seeing how we've been working, the, the premise of the business is video content matched with Facebook and Instagram ads, and we're predominantly selling to under 25 audience. Yeah, we, yeah, we got approached by an Australian company to kind of sell um, Australians coming over to the UK, which was a bit bizarre. Because uh, that's a hard selling it. Well, Unless you're Abby. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Yeah, well, I think because people go from the UK to do like a gap year in Australian work on farms, Australians come to the UK to work in English pubs, which right. is like... There's no gap year in Surrey, is there, for no. Australians? It's never like... But, yeah, you can't really imagine like, coming across for a year and being excited to work on Weatherspoons, can you? It's yeah. not really <laughs> the... But I suppose they probably think the same of us going over there to work on a farm. Yeah, yeah. For the spiders. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys are, like say, primarily video content, and would you find that travel content is kind of becoming a niche for you guys? That's something you're really excelling or? Yeah, travel, for me, it was just something that I really wanted to get into. Yeah. So we probably work with about six, six or seven travel brands at the minute. We work with travel, tech, and fashion companies, just basically because it's exciting. Like We're a young company, there's six of us in the business at the minute. We've just hired a seventh. Yeah, we've hired a seventh, yeah. So you start starting next month. We work on, I think we always do our best work when we're having fun. So that was basically what the premise of the business is, is that if we can work with travel brands and travel the world while it's making videos and someone, we'll will, win, yeah, really? yeah, someone yeah. will pay us for it, then mend. We're going to run into some topics today. So the first one I wanted to cover was traveling for long periods and preparing for it. Now, I thought this would be really beneficial for you guys because... A lot of the time you go into places like Thailand, to Nepal, to India, to Australia, to name but a few. You've just actually come back from Thailand and Laos. We're working with a company called the Green Lion who operate in 41 countries. They do ground operations, so they basically own properties. So in Thailand they've got, I think, four locations where they can host around 300 people at any one time. Got sort of Thai staff there who 
can speak English and speak Thai, and I think some of them speak German and stuff like that, and they basically don't really promote themselves, they work through agencies, so companies will basically set themselves up and sell like a Green we'll Lion trip, there. but it won't be it won't be branded as a Green Lion trip. You guys were over there for, what, about three and a half weeks in total, and um, were you filming for that? Chris filmed it and I did the photography and the artwork. Right, okay. Like, on site. And what kind of artwork are you doing out there? Sketches to capture like what's going on, sort of to use as visuals for social media or any other promotional stuff. Right, okay. When you're actually booking these, so Green Line, for instance, would book you on these these trips. They would plan basically everything in advance, would they? To an extent. Green Line, as the example, are very, very good at on-the-ground operations. What they maybe don't necessarily understand is what a 18 to 25-year-old demographic wants. So what we've been doing with them is... For example, um, in Nepal, they operate in Kathmandu, but they work with um, some Buddhist schools, so like young monks, basically. You can go over there, volunteer in Nepal, and they will, you'll get a TEFL qualification, you'll go and teach young monks how to speak English. And then they also offer sort of trips to Everest. You can do Poon Hill, which is another five-day trek that they offer out there. Um, And that's in a different area of Nepal, not Kathmandu. When they initially sort of said, yeah, Nepal is one of the trips that you're going to be going on, um, the itinerary that came to us was, we'll go to Kathmandu. There's the option of like the kind of the Buddhist um, teaching the teaching the young monks, but we also work with a cow sanctuary there. We want you to go and film that. And we sort of said, well, you know, if we're trying to sell this as a promotional thing, I don't really think that cows are going to be the thing that's going to sell it when you've got like different areas of Nepal that are beautiful. So... It's been a while since I was in that 18 to 25 demographic, but a cow sanctuary is <laughs> probably not. In like, it wasn't what I was Google searching <laughs> back then. Yeah, so that, that's basically kind of what, what we've done with Green Line is partnered up to help them. They've got 20 large partners and 80 small partners, and they're very, very good at ground operations. But what we've been very good at with them is understanding their market and understanding who they're trying to target to make sure that when we go to the different countries, we can help them with the itinerary that we're going to do to make sure that we're getting the most out of the actual trip. And because you guys have been going to these places for so long and doing that, do you think that like adds a little bit extra to the expertise of like what marketing that you know what's out there? And yeah, I think it's massive for us that we can kind of have a good understanding of the different countries, but because we've been doing it and understanding kind of what sells and, and how to sell it, it's sometimes... Like I think Lee, who owns Americamp, he sort of drilled it into me when I first started making videos with him. Like, oh well, this is the USPs of Americamp. This is so Americamp's like a summer camp provider, and this is what we need to see shots of in the first three seconds. And I think always now when we're looking at a country to try and sort of promote it, the initial thing is right. Well, what is it that what is India, and what's going to sell India to an 18 to 25 demographic or we just did some work in Berlin and it was kind of trying to work out, well, how do we, what's the hook with it? And I think that's something that we've kind of gained a lot of expertise yeah. in. So if somebody's booking your travel, will they say we want these kind of shots, this is kind of the brief we want, and then you'll plan how you get across that country? Or would they plan that in advance and you would literally show up and you'd have things booked, you'd have transfers booked, all that? With the uh, trip to Thailand run by Green Lion, they drove us around for the majority of the trip and took us to locations. Right, okay. We shot there and then. Is it free and artwork or are you oh, doing I, it? I do that. I use pictures of references or oh, right, okay. wherever the combination is. Right. But the equipment itself is quite light. Like uh, we carry two DSLR cameras. We carry a drone that's no bigger than a laptop. Literally, it's tiny. Um, and we can carry the majority of it just in our backpacks. 
Yeah, I think it's become, especially with equipment and kit now, obviously our output is the thing that we, we sell so people can see the output, but people are often quite quite kind of like, oh, wow, like you haven't got much kit. Because I think I think the first time that I went away, I had a backpack with a larger drone in, a DSLR in it, um, so I had like two bags with us. But, you know, there's some of these things that we're doing where we could be in a kind of really remote area and need to actually do quite a lot of physical activity. So we've kind of got our equipment down to something that's very, very manageable for any kind of any scenario so that we're kind of not carrying around loads of equipment. I think we've the main things that we're kind of carrying is like a couple of hard drives, a couple of cameras, like DSLR cameras, as Ben said. Um, the cameras that we have now have all got like very, very good stabilizers on them as well. So whereas you used to kind of use tripods to lock them off and you'd be carrying a tripod, tripods and that sort of thing as well. We can now handhold the camera with the built-in stabiliser and it's very, very like st- steady footage. When you're packing for like three, four weeks in one location, which you are doing a lot, clothing and stuff like that, how are you? I bought like a few t-shirts there and then and sort of... And just ditch them when you leave. Y- yeah, and a lot of the time we're, f- we're filming with branded clothing as well, so you can uh, wear that and be in shots and work. Like We didn't need too much, if that makes sense. I'm quite low maintenance. In terms of, of clothing and for me, um, well, you're in a shirt and tie today, so like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, well, I made, no a, made a big effort because I thought that it was going to be well. You yeah. thought you were going to be on camera. Yeah. Well, we might still do that. Yeah. At the end of get it, some behind the scenes pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think the the hardest thing really is when we're going to places that have got like different climates. So we did India, Nepal, and Sri Lanka in one trip. Nepal was quite cool. India was very hot, and Sri Lanka was was hot as well. So I think that was the most difficult thing. But again, like, you know, all these countries have got really, really good facilities for kind of getting things washed. And I think being up, like, just kind of the first time that I think, well, the first time that Sam came away when we went to India, Nepal and Sri Lanka, he had a lot more clothing than I did. And he kind of had all the gear for like trekking and that sort of thing, which was great. And I had some boots of his, but he sort of said, yeah, pack for three weeks when really should pack for about a week and then get it washed. I think in Thailand you can get your load of washing done for about 70 baht, which is about two quid, well, less than two quid. Okay. So I think it's that weird differential, isn't there, between people thinking when they're going on like a leisure trip, leisure holiday, you would pack for three weeks because you're going out and you're doing things like that. But generally you guys are working, so it's mm-hmm. like... Yeah, we're work, working and carrying the stuff about as well, so yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. lugging it from yeah, one place to the other. I think people forget as well, everything is so accessible still when you're there. So like right. Chris said, you can get your washing done. And I thought Abby was going to say something, then she was like, let me just... Uh well, I was going to say, well, you're, always, you're always behind the camera as well while you're over there, so it's not like you're having to pack like yeah. great outfits to look, to look good or so whatever. You just that's going to be the problem for you because business development needs to be... Uh, I know. I will, needs be, to be well I will have three weeks' worth of clothing. <laughs> it's going to have to happen. And especially first impressions as well. Yeah. Like exactly. What a name to give her, the head of first impressions. Can you imagine if one person met me, like, you know, one week and then the next week yeah. and I was wearing the same outfit? <laughs> I mentioned it every time, like, oh, bad at first impressions. Yeah. I know. Second impression was great, first impression <laughs> just was not buying it at all. <laughs> like she never changes her clothes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what was the hardest trip then that you've, you've gone on where you're, like, preparing for it? The, the hardest one that we're planning for at the minute, actually, is Russia. Um, we've been asked to do some work in Russia for a company called Sandbelt. And they do tours, but obviously the political situation in Russia at the minute, and to be, to be honest, we haven't really done masses of stuff where we need loads of visas and documents and that sort of thing. 
but one of the things that they have requested is that we film in specific museums. So Sam, our production manager, found a fixer who's in Russia to kind of start and look at the logistics of this sort of stuff. Right. Um, is it the same as over here where you have to get permits to film in certain locations? And Yeah. I think the equipment getting smaller has made people a lot less kind of hostile about cameras. And for a lot of the trips that we're going on, there's not like, oh, well, you specifically need to get this location or you specifically need to get this temple in in Laos, you need to get so we can kind of go around and if there is a problem with that temple it's not the end of the world but because these guys specifically requested different museums and to get shots um i think the guys in russia think that it's going to be like some sort of film crew turning up with the kind of like well obviously we are a film crew but like yeah. some sort of blockbuster movie yeah because they've kind of given us a big price tag for how much that's going to cost uh there's obviously four different i think three or four different museums that they've requested so that's basically the actual permissions to film in these museums and stuff is probably going to cost them more than the rest of the entire trip. <laughs> I think the Russians are going to be a bit disappointed when we turn <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> so have you got any packing tips, anything that you would kind of hang your hat on? That you Yeah, take Robinson squash. Other squash makers are available. But yeah, I think my, my kind of thing that I miss from home is being able to drink squash. So taking that with us as a tip. But I think um, I always take an ex... Like a you know, like a six-plug extension lead, because obviously you can plug one in the water. But yeah. the first, yeah, the first time I went away, like the first time that I went away on a trip, I think I stupidly bought like about ten adapters and was like, yeah, that's a great idea. I'll plug <laughs> everything in, in like adapters. And then sort of just before I went, I was like, chat. I don't know who was saying like I'm doing this tonight. Oh, it's a shame you can't take an extension lead. And I was like, yeah, it's a shame. Oh, yeah, I can take an extension <laughs> yeah, yeah. lead. So that's it. That's probably the best thing that I take away. That's it. not so much a tip, but like something that always is handy and I'm always surprised at how many people don't take an extension lead especially yeah. considering everyone's got like a phone and a power bank and a laptop and a all that all I was going to say the amount of things you're probably using at one time as well especially if you guys have been off like filming and doing things all day yeah. you're going to need to come back and charge everything at the same time yeah so where are you staying when you go on these kind of trips? Do you stay in a hostel or...? It depends what, depends what the trip is. So sometimes hostels, sometimes Airbnb, if we're booking the accommodation ourselves. The ones that we've been working on in the minute in Asia, we've been staying in their accommodation. But as I said before, when we kind of advise on, on what, they, that kind of what, what that country is and, and how we can best promote it, we shot ourselves in the foot a bit in India because we said they, they operate in Goa, Udaipur, which is in the north, and they run like a 28-day road trip around India as well. But we said, you know, we need to see the, the Taj Mahal. Like, if your partners are wanting to sell India, then a lot of people are going to want to see the, the Taj. So they're like, yeah, yeah, well, it does it does happen in the road trip, but we haven't built into your itinerary. And we're like, well, we need to see it. So they're like, okay, well, to do that, you're going to have to do a night train, a night bus, then we did a night sleeping in the desert, then another night train, then another night bus. So we basically had five five days of not sleeping in a bed. But we had ten days in India and we got everything that we needed. But They book all that for you. So if you kind of did it yourself, would you do it differently? Or did you like that experience of having all those different... Obviously uh, not yeah. sleeping in a bed for five days. But No, I actually loved it. And to be honest, I was really surprised at how good the sleeper trains and stuff are in India. But it was our doing really because they said, like, you know, we don't think that it's that important to get, to get the Taj and to get footage of it. I think it's one of those because they they're there and they see it all the time. It just becomes like yeah, definitely. Something but as I say, like the guys that we film with, um, so we did some ads for 
the Australian company, um, and we had to find a load of English pubs to film in, and we were there thinking, like, you know, wow, like, what are we doing here, and who's yeah. going to come here, but the British countryside and, like, kind of English pubs and even, like, London Underground, that sort of thing is very, very iconic, and I think it is definitely that way that, like, when we look at England, you're like, well, there's not really that much, or I wouldn't pick that sort of, like, I wouldn't pick that, yeah. but that is the iconic thing yeah. of the country, so... Yeah. I mean, we get the thing, we're in the heart of Manchester and it's when you walk around and you see tourists just taking pictures of random <laughs> and yeah. you're thinking like, get out of the way, why are you, why are you taking a picture of that? <laughs> and to them, it is probably amazing. So look at it, but I just need to get to Greg's. That's exactly. I can't be, I can't be waiting around for people to finish taking pictures. That steak bake ain't going to buy itself. <laughs> so the second topic, I wanted to talk about getting equipment around these places that you're visiting. But also, I wanted to get to know Abby and Ben a little bit. We've got to know you, Chris. When you're talking about, obviously, getting equipment around the countries, do you ever have issues when you're getting across borders or anything like that with the equipment that you're taking? I've only ever had one issue with it, and probably in about maybe 70 flights, where in India they said that you couldn't have the drone set up, so you couldn't have the propellers. So I had the propellers in with... Did with they tell you why you couldn't have the propellers? Yeah, so they basically said that you, you can't have it so it could fly. Obviously and this was on a plane? Yeah. Did they think it was going to be like the A-team, that you were yeah, just going to think, think, well, start busting out this propeller on the drone? I actually think that the guy who customs wanted the propeller so he's like yeah you can't you can't take those on like, you can't be <laughs> yeah. can't be that way Give but him yeah but with the with the drone you've got to have the um the batteries have to be in your hand luggage because obviously they go be the light bulb yeah, batteries yeah. so you've got them in light bulb safe containers in the bag they go um and i've always just had the, the drone in, ha- in like sort of carry on hand luggage and this guy was like yeah well you can't you can't take it on so he's like, i've checked my other bag it and what do you want us to do and he's like you need to take the propellers off and give me the propellers and we were flying to Nepal. Luckily, we had like three sets, spare sets of propellers in the actual mm-hmm. bag, but that's probably the ma- the only issue that we've had. But as I said before, I think with equipment getting so much smaller, and as, as you said, like you walk around Manchester, everybody's got a big camera that they're pointing yeah, at yeah. something, and I think it's become a lot less ominous. Like we're not going away with like six flight cases and dollies and like big tripods and yeah, stuff. Yeah. We're very quite like, nimble. Equipment, not us personally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we're not fast enough. Yeah, I'm not nimble at all. <laughs> you should be nimble though. You're tall, like oh, you could be. be. I'm the clumsiest. We'll hear more about your clumsy yeah. nature a bit later. <laughs> like you mentioned about what seventy odd flights yeah. that you've taken. Have you ever lost equipment? No, because I've always kind of kept it in in ha- in in hand luggage right. to kind of keep it. I wouldn't really want to check it. In you wouldn't trust it, kind yeah, of. Yeah, I think a lot of the kind of smaller trips in in asia and that sort of thing like some of the flights you honestly feel like it's the first time that this guy's done it you're like yeah. <laughs> taking off and thinking wow you're not very good at this and the same when you're landing so some of the countries as i say i've heard thai time lao time island life so it would be of no surprise to me if someone forgot to put the bags on the plane because like they just didn't want to be rushed yeah yeah <laughs> so <laughs> And when you're going on uh, some of these longer shoots and you're doing transfers across, uh, we've spoken before the show about a transfer that you had in Nepal Yeah. that you had a bit of a nightmare with. Yeah. Can you give us a bit of... Uh, yeah, so we went from Kathmandu to Pakara um, and the roads in Nepal are not the best at all. And I think when we got to, when we got to Pakara, we kind of... It was it was just to be honest, like the whole the whole trip was just a bit frustrating. The weather wasn't great when we were there. We sort of said that we should go across in March, 
Um, we'd gone out in February, um, and obviously you can't plan the weather, but we had a certain amount of time in in Pakara, and the weather was rubbish. And then we came back on the night time, and um, we tried to kind of find the most luxurious bus that we could possibly find, which was a minibus um, for, I think it was like a 16-seater minibus. And we sat on it in this kind of bus depot. We're like, oh, this is great. There's only us on here. Mint. 20 minutes later, we're still sat there. There's another like eight people on the bus. I think it's starting to get a bit busy. Then it was full. Then there was two more joined. And then like in minibuses, you got like two seats and then a seat and like a walkway in the middle. And um, the guy came with like three planks of wood. And I was thinking, what is he doing? Yeah. So he put the planks of wood between the, like in the aisles for the middle seat. And then um, a woman got on, who lo- she looked like, like the Mother Mary, kind of got on and sat on the seat next to us and then leaned her head forward and like went to sleep on the seat in front. And then... As soon as she got on, she Yeah, as soon as like, she got on. Is. So she, looked, she didn't look very well and she just kind of got on. We hadn't even set off yet. And I was like, oh, it's just about and about the tile of it. <laughs> so I think, you know, it's about... Um, I think the trip should be about five hours... I couldn't tell you what it is in kilometres, but I'd love to know because, as I say, the roads are like not very good. So, what would be probably f- like two hours was going to be a five-hour journey, I think, and it ended up taking about thirteen hours because we got stuck on the road from Pakara to uh, Kathmandu, and they closed the closed road that wasn't the one that we were trying to get to, but because they closed that road, the the village that was kind of halfway along had just become jam-packed with everybody that had decided to stop off and get some noodles uh, and we couldn't get anywhere near it and I just think I we remember like so the guy who was driving our minibus decided that it would be a good idea to kind of go on the outside lane which I so there was a traffic jam going one way and nothing coming the other so he decided to go into the lane that had nothing like oncoming traffic uh, and floor it and see how far he could get well this just kind of made like that three or four people every sort of 15 minutes we're having the same idea. So it was kind of like the wacky races on the outside <laughs> lane and then just a big bottleneck of people who had all had the same idea. So we were like trying to push into the kind of front of the queue, yeah. which was still probably like four or five miles from the front of the queue. And then, uh, yeah, this guy like kind of got out and lifted his engine up because it was overheating. Then I'd like an argument with a guy, then another guy, then there's a few motorbikes started getting through and they were all shouting at them and... Uh, I w- we were just there thinking it's one o'clock yeah. in the morning. I just this w- woman's asleep the yeah, whole time. She's Mother Mary's here with me, <laughs> and I just yeah. t- just want to be home. So. <laughs> <laughs> How do you cope though for thirteen hours stuck in a traffic jam? Like I struggle for like if it's an hour. I think it's um, it's just bizarre, isn't it? Because yeah. you come over here and coming into like you know coming into the office in the morning like oh there's traffic. It's a nightmare. It's taking us an extra twenty minutes. And like it's the same with the roads, like you go over a like a pothole and you're like, Oh my god, like this is the worst thing ever. Like over there, they've never seen Those the council. first world problems. Yeah, they've never <laughs> never seen the council, you're there going <laughs> yeah. going bouncing along on it <laughs> on a minibus with like twenty odd people in it and you just think like imagine if like yeah, Manchester City Council go and fill that road in, it's like <laughs> just never seen it, have <laughs> I mean we'll come to you, Abby. Because you're the latest member of the team. There is yeah. somebody starting just after you. But you spend 
was it a year, year and a half in Australia? Yeah, a year between Australia and New Zealand, uh, sort of working and travelling. And what were you doing over there? Were you on the farm? Yeah, I did, I did do farm work, but it was the cushiest farm work going. Um, what do you do on the farm? I've always wanted to know, like, what... Well, like, you're milking cows? Like, no, well, I didn't do the traditional farm work, which normally everybody goes fruit picking, right. um, which is proper graft. Um, but I got it really cushed it because I, it kind of fell. Um, Did you nail that first impression? That <laughs> it yeah, it was, that's what it was all about. Mine kind of fell that I was looking for farm work during their winter. So I was like, oh, I've, I've messed up here. Yeah. And then there's this thing called woofing, which is willing workers on organic farms. So you don't get paid because normally as well, people who go and do farm work, they like they just go and stay on a farm for three months, pick fruit and it's graft, but you get paid a mint. Right. So... But you, so this thing that I was doing, you don't get paid, but they'll like they put a roof over your head and feed you. So you've really you've not got any outgoings, no. and then obviously it gives you your certificate, whatever that you've done this, and then you can get your second year visa. Um, so I just ended up I was up in Cairns, and I ended up coming all the way back down to Brisbane, and then inland um, on this tiny little organic farm. It was actually quite terrifying. So I'd been travelling with my friend, who then left, and she came back home. Um, so I was on my Jack Jones and went all the way back down to Brisbane because um, I just had a, co- a phone call with this guy. I was like, yeah, we need someone, like, come down. So I was like, right, okay. Got down, like, on the greyhound on my Todd. Went there and I arrived in the middle of the night and it was in this ri- tiny little town. Was it like the Hills of Eyes? Was it yeah. just, like, desert and, like, oh my God, yeah. there's a few, like, <laughs> caravans? <laughs> so I arrived in the middle of the night in this tiny town and this man had like given me like a rough description of him and he like what he was driving and this massive white ute and this guy gets out must have been about 60 about six foot five massive handlebar mustache you know those like dark tinted glasses yeah. sunglasses I think in overalls <laughs> <laughs> in overalls and i was like oh my God, I can't get in his car. Like, this is ridiculous. And, and I could you just, were on your own at this I point? I was on my own. Right. And I could just hear my mum in my head like, don't do it. Yeah. I was like, oh. So I got in his car and then we started driving out of town into the sticks and I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is it, I'm going to die. And then we went down this little dirt track to his farm. Were you thinking about how you could escape? Was it like a take? Oh my God, yeah, like... absolutely. 100%. <laughs> I was like, I could grab this and do it and all these sorts of Low things. kick. And then got there and they had a massive great Dane as well. So he was like, oh, I hope you don't mind dogs. And I love dogs, but literally when I opened the car door, and I was in a ute, so I was really high up as well. Opened the car door, this dog's head was just there. And I was just like, oh my God. Anyway, I was there for three months and they were the loveliest family ever. And I basically just um, weeded in the morning and baked cakes in the afternoon. It was great. So what made you come back then? Yeah, um, my first year visa was up and I wasn't quite sure what, is, what I wanted to do career-wise. So I was like, I'll come home, get settled and then I can go back knowing what I want to do and then use that second year to sort of find a job so I can get a sponsorship and li- live there forever and love the sunshine. And then obviously I just came home and got settled. And ended up at what marketing? Ended and up like at what marketing, slumming it at what yeah. marketing. So um, you haven't done a trip with the guys yet, have you? Not yet. Do you know what trip is going to be your first? No. Do you get to choose? Yeah, Do you get the get list of like what's upcoming and then say... Yeah, dibs. Yeah, dibs <laughs> on that one. To be fair, I mean, we're only a small team um, and Chris is very good at making everything fair. So it kind She's of... after just a pay rise already. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, th- I don't think I'll, I'll struggle to, you know, get on a good one because obviously they've got some good ones to yeah, choose yeah. from. Ben, you're the resident artist. Pretty famous in your own right, Ben. Like, yeah, if you go on, go on Twitter... <laughs> 
Well, it's over 100,000 followers. How much oh. do they cost you, Ben? How many of those are real? <laughs> <laughs> Influencer marketing. Uh, I won't go that far, but the, the all all the followers are like genuine. Yeah. So modest. Do you talk to them all? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. so he loves his fans. That's yeah, like great report. <laughs> no, they are fans, pretty much. Like uh, they're following you. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but it's strange. Uh, what I did was in the final year of high school, I, b- I built like quite an absurd amount of followers. Like you said, from doing like influencer painting for the likes of Zoella. Abby's like, she's never heard this before. I was like, like oh my God, reaction. I didn't know that. Yeah. She's like, oh, I like Zoella. So yeah, finally of high school, I, I didn't really know how to get like into the art world, but I knew I didn't want to go to uni. So I sort of started just doing free drawings for like Zoella, um, Tanya, who's another, well, like one, that crowd. And then eventually I, I actually got work with Zoella's management team, who then sort of spread my name. This was back in like, about 2015 and then but what I how I started was because I couldn't afford an iPad I did it all painted on the iPhone on an app called draw something then my work then got noticed on the app and the 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 fella who created the app actually emailed me and that was like my whole year 11 final piece for art what actually failed my art exam because of that because I did (laughs) it all digitally (laughs) and I didn't paint a shell (laughs) <laughs> so I, I failed my art exam but yeah. because of that I had this great like thing on my portfolio that I'd done work for the fella who made the app and then that then led to me uh, landing a job at Manchester Physiotherapy where I did um, like so I'd sit in a room and I'd do like kind of almost medical drawings of people doing physiotherapy and that would go out then on social media or be used for promotional material right. and then did that for about nine months and then I got moved to their sister company called CIMT who helped children between four and seven who've suffered a stroke or a brain injury. Right. And what they do is they get the kid, they put a good arm and good leg in a cast so they're forced to use like the damaged arm and obviously for a child that's terrifying. So I drew like a hand-drawn comic book for every kid on the course. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and that sort of went like kind of, not viral, but it picked up a lot of traction. And then a company in Silicon Valley called Max Valley, who they're a third party uh, tech company, similar to how Greenline works. So they don't promote themselves, but they build technology and sell it to companies. So they made the lenses for the Microsoft Connect. Right, they yeah. Made, um, and then they made the glass for the Oculus Rift and a load of other like massive things. And they made the magic mirrors as well for the Disney shop. If oh, okay. If you're ever in the Disney shop. I mean, um, I've got a 19 month old son, I'm in there all the time. Uh, yeah, so that. there's like, uh, like there's like this mirror and you can stand with a QR code and it puts you in the outfit so they actually, oh my God, that's they actually created that but the fellow who owns the company actually flew me to Madrid for an interview after seeing the comic book and that interview was with Quentin Tarantino's production company right. and I ended up doing a bit of like artwork for this comic book that was finally produced by Robert Rodriguez's TV channel what's great here is that it, everyone's allowed to excel so like I got a mentor this week for like artwork and like right. you won't really get that at another company. Yeah, I taught yeah. for the first day, like for the first year of being here and I thought it's yeah. time to pass him on to somebody else. <laughs> 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 but yeah. No. Taught him everything I know now, yeah. so his these drones are all right, but we passed him on. Right, they're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Mine are the stick figures, <laughs> don't look at mine. No, but I did look on social media accounts that you've got on yours well, some of the artworks incre- well, all you. of it's incredible, but it's really, really good. Cheers. Not that you need my light, but like oh Kyle said. No, Kyle no. said it was great. So yeah. nailed it. Um Thank you. And the final topic is visa forgiveness or permission. Now, Chris and I have spoken many times about this in the past. In certain countries, they opt not to go for a visa. Well, we've seen actually within across like, the kind of student travel industry as well, is that 
for a lot of countries it is not well one of the things that we were talking about previously was kind of working in different countries and being there if you're not getting paid there then what's the kind of situation and I'll be honest like when we go to Thailand and stuff we do just go on tourist visas when we've been in the States we've been on like a business visa but there's not really I think when you go to the States you just tick that you're there for business and there's not really a massive amount of questions asked a lot of the ones in Southeast Asia do see like work is not permitted because um, there's three isn't there? there's usually <coughs> like your tourist one your business one and then you work in one yeah 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 but we don't I think for me it's it's a bit like what I said about the kind of the size of the cameras the size of the equipment and the like what we're actually doing so we're following tours around with a camera we're not there kind of working in offices or doing stuff like that and we've never had any issues of kind of going on a tourist visa yeah. and just joining on these tours um, obviously like as I mentioned before with Russia and stuff I think right to do our due diligence and make sure that everything's a lot more kind of within the realms of making sure that we're yeah. very very legit for Southeast Asia it's always been a case of that we'll, we will go on tourist visas and I know that there is problems within the student travel industry of actually being able to get a visa that would allow someone to be there for a month and take part in kind of a voluntary programme because I mean the, the crux of it is you're not taking money out of the country you're not hiring people while you're over there you are doing essentially what a tourist would do you're just taking some photographs you're mm-hmm. shooting some video that I'm sure a lot of tourists are doing the difference is obviously you're doing it for a purpose back home but but I think now obviously the the whole thing's changed hasn't it I mean we work with influencers or vloggers that are over there people that have got large followings especially within like travel sectors there's a lot of people that are just traveling around making content and getting paid for it but they're perhaps maybe making footage that's just a big stockpile of footage and then re-editing it and using it yeah. to influence different people and I think there's also now a big movement and a lot of what we see as people working as digital nomads. I think, as we've said in a couple of instances, like everyone in the company, apart from Abby so far, has done a few trips. Abby will do some trips. But yeah, <laughs> but um, that not I, abroad. Yeah, you, but that, you that don't know that yet. <laughs> the idea of being able to kind of work and travel is a dream that I think a lot of people are promised now. It's, it's really interesting about kind of where you get paid, how you get paid, what you're paying tax on. Because if I'm a web designer who's working, like, you know, if you go to Tenerife on your holidays and open your emails, you're not working in Tenerife. But if I'm a web designer that goes and operates from Spain for three months and kind of makes websites for people in the UK, I'd still imagine that you're probably just going to go there as a tourist, but you are doing work while you're there. So where does that kind of sit? And it's, it's interesting now because I think there's a, this sort of digital nomad is a big sort of movement. Um, we're linked with a few kind of companies that are offering sort of 12 month packages to go from city to city and work in a different co-working space or being a co-living space which is massive now and I think you can see that it's almost a question of like the kind of the, the legalities of it having caught up as to where they pay tax how they pay tax it's right what you say though a lot of the the rules that they've got I mean I've been on on the websites a lot for the different embassies and it doesn't seem to be like they've caught with that digital nomad lifestyle of I mean if I go on my LinkedIn I'm sure I'll come across three or four posts of people on a beach laptop going oh yeah this is this is a great life just I'd love to work with someone that's going to bring people to Manchester and one of the things that we talked about doing is obviously we've got a small team that are really kind of happy and I'd love to hire somebody as like a digital nomad to come from another country work on a few projects with us and leave again 
because I think that'd just be a great experience for, for all of us, but like maybe get someone from South America who comes across, works on a few projects with, with us and leaves. But I don't really know how that would work in terms of paying them and making sure that everything's... Well, to be fair, we had 77 on the show recently, and I'm sure they did something similar where they had somebody come over. I won't say where they're from because I'll probably butcher it and like it won't be that place at all. But yeah, they had I somebody on. Cool. I think it's a be really interesting to do. Yeah. We should see. Now, because we're talking about visas, we work with a company called CIBT Visas, uh, and I asked them for a little bit of information, a bit of background into visas, and kind of what their stance on it is. Now, they've mentioned that there are risks when traveling on the wrong visa, and we want you to really highlight those today just to give both sides uh, of the debate. So they've said that traveling on the incorrect visas can have serious consequences for the traveler, the company, the carrier, or even the host. Here are some examples of risks and situations that CIBT came across. Detention on arrival, deportation, detention on departure, financial fines for the airlines and financial fines for the company, difficulties in obtaining or banned from obtaining future visas for that country, reputational damage if the hosting country is informed by the immigration authorities, and many travel insurance policies will not cover losses resulting from traveling on the wrong visa. So there we go, we just wanted to cover both sides uh, of the debate there. So now we're going to touch on the first, worst and best travel scenarios. Ben, we're going to start with you. So what's your first travel experience? The uh, trip I mentioned previous about going to Madrid for an interview. Yeah. That was the first sort of experience of dealing with work while traveling. I'd say the worst travel experience was me and a colleague from What Marketing went to Berlin for, a, for the, one of the biggest travel conferences in the world. Um, so Some people are laughing because you already know the end to the story. <laughs> yeah. So, that, so bad. that'll guide you. <laughs> So we got to Berlin, obviously, for the conference, and we filmed for the first day, took photos, edited, and then we thought we'll behave the first evening, we'll go back to the apartment, get all the work done we needed to do, and we did. And then the second night, me and my colleague thought we'll like treat ourselves tonight, we'll go out a little bit, just see what Berlin's about, and within 20 minutes of going out, completely sober, I stood on a curb wrong and snapped my ankle. <laughs> what was yeah not the best and then yeah. so you've I not really put the whole end to that story mate what do you mean because we also had a client that was supposed to be filming with on the saturday oh so <laughs> we were met also meant to be filming for a walking tour on the following saturday but <laughs> a walking tour I know, that'd be good for irony. you <laughs> um so anyway after snapping my ankle i just <laughs> sat on this curb and just contemplated life for a bit <laughs> <laughs> just for a few minutes good 20 you told minutes. you 100,000 followers <laughs> Good 20 minutes, and then my foot went numb, so I thought, I'm not going to let it ruin the night, plod on. That's yeah. what you want in a worker, innit, Chris? Someone that's... Yeah, well, well no, it was fine. Plodded on the night out, waiting to the no, next no. year. So, <laughs> plodded, plodded on with the night out, and we found, like, a bar, so me and the colleague approached the bar. Just found one. Just, just It was literally around the corner, so within 20 minutes of snapping my ankle, and then as we approached that, I was then mugged. And, and how, how were you mugged? <laughs> That's what they're laughing about. How were you mugged, Ben? So th this one fella was stood outside with pizza leaflets. <laughs> I got distracted by the offer. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Hey, was it a good offer? It, it was. It, it was a great offer. It was like I don't know. I think it was two large pizzas for five euros. <laughs> so I, I'm looking at this offer, and uh, he, what I thought was hugging me, went into my back pockets and emptied, <laughs> emptied everything. <laughs> So then I just sat on another curb and just thought... Contemplated life again. <laughs> I did. Yeah. And then um, me and my colleague went back to the apartment. We thought, uh, we're, we thought we're safe, like, uh, could be worse. 
and then <laughs> could be worse. <laughs> and then uh, next day, uh, soldier on. We go to the conference, and I, my ankle is huge. <laughs> so a medic comes over and says, "I need need help." So you flew home. So you still at that point, you still oh, not even been to the. I could oh. barely walk. Um, then I was sent home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so on your own. I was going on a stag do and I got a phone call. Hi, yeah, everything's fine apart from I've snapped my ankle. <laughs> I'm sat with a paramedic now. So I said, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to stay there? Because we have got this client on the Saturday, but walking to her isn't exactly what you're going to be doing this weekend. <laughs> so he's like, no, please, can I just come home? So we booked him a flight and he came yeah. back. <laughs> I luckily didn't break it, but I snapped all the ligaments on the right side of it, of the Ooh. ankle. Still swollen to this day, and it's been like eight weeks almost. So on a good note, what's the best? I'd say the best trip so far would be the trip me, Chris, and Sam took to uh, Amsterdam for the WizTech conference. I'd say the production value for the networking events and who you got to meet because of that was amazing. And Abby, come on, what's your first? Um, my first uh, travel experience was after my second year of uni. I'd done my second year in the States, so I'd ended up finishing- Don't like England much, do you? <laughs> <laughs> any chance any to get away, I know. So I'd ended up finishing the, their semester was earlier, so I had a, like a really long summer. So my, me and my friend decided that we were gonna like get away for a little bit. So we went and did Malaysia for a month, randomly. Though we were very, very close to go into India, actually. Um, I'm literally about 10 minutes away from booking our flights and someone was like, you know, it's monsoon season. <laughs> oh, God. So that was a lucky escape, really. So we ended up doing a, a month around Malaysia instead, which was really random, but it was amazing. Yeah. So that was nice. That was good. Good fun. And your worst? Uh, my worst is probably the one that I've already mentioned. The Hills of Eyes. The Hills one. of Eyes, yeah. yeah. We'll just call it that. Um, and the yeah. best? Um, the best was probably the time spent going around New Zealand. So I did both uh, like a really big hop on, hop off style tour around the North and South Island. Absolutely beautiful, um, amazing. And the, the people that we did it through, um, it's just a great company. Like all their drivers are really nice. Everyone's up for a laugh and they're really knowledgeable. So as you're going around, you learn so much about like, the history and the culture and you just do such a mix of experiences like, outdoor activity stuff and we did like um like can't like uh caving and all sorts of stuff like that but then you go and do really cultured stuff and learn how to do like the hacker and so yeah it was amazing that was good brilliant best to last maybe mm-hmm. um first trip that i did was i well the first work sort of trip that i did was the three four months around southeast asia and america um which was really, really good, but I think I fair to say I was a little bit underprepared. <laughs> I left with I left Manchester with three three cameras, a drone, a spare pair of boxes and a Newcastle shirt. And that was it for three months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get on? <laughs> um, well, not very well because they don't like, the sizes over there for clothes just just not like not what it They're not, not well it, thought out. Yeah, not what it is over here. And uh yeah, so I had like basically like kind of cutting marks of boxes on it for like three months because couldn't find a pair of boxes big enough. <laughs> Go on, Andrea, <laughs> and your worst. Probably the the bus journey in uh, in Nepal was pretty horrendous. Go on, and your best. The best travel. I I went to um, Banff. We were only there for about seven days. Banff in Canada, so it's a really really beautiful area. We've got to yeah. film in the mountains and stuff, and yeah, it was just like one of those trips. I was just really excited to be there. We didn't really 
Well, we didn't sleep very much at all. And there was one night I was with um, Kat, who's the CEO of the company that we're filming for. And uh, she woke us up about one o'clock in the morning and was like, let's, let's drive up to Lake Louise because it's like a two hour drive. We'll get there for like the, um, get there for the sunrise uh, and it'll be mint. So I was like, yeah, that sounds like a fantastic idea. Got myself out of bed, thought I got dressed. Gets up there. Um, and I was like, by late Louise, oh, this is lovely. Got my picture taken here. When I look back at the camera, I still had a pajama top on. <laughs> so I'm there with like, there's a picture of his at Lake Louise with a big, uh, with a pajama top on that's got a bear saying, like, bear hugs. <laughs> Always ahead of the fashion curve. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, if somebody wants to find information about What Marketing, yeah, go to our website, what-marketing.com. Yeah. Um, and we can also be found across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And YouTube as well. You've got a YouTube channel yeah, where YouTube all your videos, well. or majority of them are on there. Yeah. yeah, so you can have a look at, um, obviously, all the great work that the, the boys have been doing around the world. Brilliant. And this has been Absolute Clarity. I've been your host, Kyle Daniels. You can find us on Twitter at Clarity underscore TM. Join the conversation, hashtag Absolute Clarity. Or go to the website, www.claritytm.co.uk, and we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you. Thank you.